0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Rebuild. I'm Henry Ettinger, joined once again by Jordan Climac. And Jordan, it's game week. Game one, Browns Chiefs coming this Sunday. Now that we are through the Labor Day weekend, football is officially here.
1: Can't believe it, man! It's game week. Look, I, I've been waiting for this day for so long, Henry. I was saying to a buddy the other day, like, I can't believe it's finally here, man! Like we've been waiting. We've been doing so many podcasts saying, like, I want football to start. Like I'm ready for it to start now. And the fact that it actually starts this week, like we're two days away from actual NFL football, like, meaningful football, with the uh, Bucks and Cowboys kicking things off on Thursday night, Henry. And I mean, I just I can't get enough of it, man. Got all my fantasy drafts done, but the bronze come first and foremost. Kansas City Chiefs rematch 425 this Sunday let's go
0: and we're going to talk about that game against the Chiefs on Sunday we're also going to talk about the season a little bit as a whole in terms of kind of the the pessimistic outlook and the optimistic outlook in terms of what could go right and what could go wrong for the Browns this season but before we get into all of that Jordan quick reaction to the Browns uniform choice for the game against Kansas City on Sunday (laughs) go Look, I'm hyped about it. Uh, white on orange, right? Uh, the white jersey, the orange
1: pants. I think it's a sexy look. Look, every time the Cleveland team does something iconic, right? Like I go back to the Cavs in like the 2007, 2008, 2009 era. That first LeBron era, right? It was the it was the blue, the dark, uh, the navy blue uh, away jerseys that kind of took on the life of their own. Those were the jerseys you wore during the playoffs. Those became I got a jersey. I had to have one of those. LeBron comes back, right? All of a sudden, the Cavs win the finals in that black long sleeve jersey. That becomes iconic. For the Browns, last year it was you go into Pittsburgh. You win in Pittsburgh wearing the white and o- white on orange. That becomes iconic. You don't get the job done against Kansas City, but we get the chance to get the rematch, Henry, in the white and orange. I was excited about this. I think that's one of the better uh, Browns jersey combinations but look, it all goes back to the same thing. When am I going to see the orange top with the white pants? That's what I really want to see. Like, I'm fine with the white uh, top and the orange pants, but man, give me that orange top.
0: I personally speaking, I'm I'm just all right with this combination. White white what? white tops, orange bottoms. The God, you're, the
1: all- you're black. You're brown on white. White on white guy, aren't you?
0: yeah a little bit i don't i don't know the all orange is like it's a lot the orange tops is a lot i i don't it's 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 not for me uh i'll put it that way it's it's not for me it's a little bit too much uh traditional it, henry a, over
1: here <laughs> yeah yeah
0: i i guess you could call me a a traditionalist in that sense but hey that's what i it's what i'm used to so it's what i like all right uh let's get into the actual the team Uh, the news. And and then, as I said, I I want to take a kind of a bigger look at at the season as a whole too, Jordan. But first things first, uh, we actually got what I thought was some interesting news today in the Browns releasing their first unofficial depth chart. There were a couple of peculiar things about it, things that I would say I did not necessarily expect to see Jordan, but did anything in particular stand out to you about that depth chart?
1: Not really. Um, obviously, the big thing is Greg Newsom starting alongside Denzel Ward, right? And I mean, let's let's be honest. I mean, at the end of the day, you draft a first round pick, a first round corner for a team that needed a corner. Like you're drafting that guy to be a starter, so it's fine. Let's go. Let's see what he's got. Uh, Greg Newsom going to start alongside Denzel Ward. I guess the other thing, Henry, and everything really just came on the defense for me. Um, Mac Wilson uh, starting at will, and I, I got to say, I think I predicted this right when we when we did our predictions did. back in the day. Yeah, I said Mac Wilson, Anthony Walker, Sione, Taki Taki. That was a three. And look, that's going to be the starting three heading into Kansas City. It'll be interesting to see how Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, how they uh, incorporate him into the defense, because I do think he's going to be critical in that matchup against Kansas City, Henry. So those are the two things. I guess the third would be Andrew Billings. Um, I didn't see a lot from him during the preseason. I, I, we always kind of penciled him in, Henry, as that starter alongside Malik Jackson. But I was really unimpressed with uh, his play in the preseason. And we'll see how that carries over. Maybe it was just I'm reading too much in the preseason, and we very well could be saying that after even week one. But we'll see, Henry. Um, The defense, everything comes in on the defense for me with those three positions. Nothing really stood out to me on offense, Henry.
0: Nothing stood out to me on offense either. And Billings is the kind of guy I think that could get supplanted over time. The season where it, you know it kind yeah. of starts with the veteran first, and maybe that's the case with Mac Wilson and JOK too, Jordan. But that's really the the thing that stood out to me is I am I was surprised that that Mac Wilson was listed ahead of JOK because number one, I thought JOK looked great when we saw him uh, you know on the field this preseason, and number two, the matchup here. I am not looking forward to watching Mac Wilson in, in space and, and potentially, you know, matched up in those, you know, soft coverages against Travis Kelsey. I would much rather see JOK in that position where that was what to me was so exciting about JOK as a prospect is that he can cover out of that linebacking, you know, spot. And look, we we've heard the, the good reports about Mac Wilson in camp. I know it's all there, but If he plays anything like he has in previous seasons, he is going to be a massive, massive target with this improved secondary. They are going to go immediately after him. So I am worried about that uh, for this game Sunday. So here's the interesting thing. I think
1: we can go back to Browns. Coaches have said as much as this. Mac Wilson's best game of his career came in that divisional game against Kansas City. He had the game of his life, I think, is how it was described by Browns defensive coordinator Joe Woods. So I think they're hot. And Henry, I can tell you for a fact too. the Kansas City Chiefs reached out to the bronze multiple times this offseason, trying to get a trade done for Mac Wilson. Why did they do that? Because he had such a good game against them in the divisional round. They liked what they saw. Mac Wilson had an incredible camp. It really was highlighted with about that first week of, of camp and what he was able to do and how impressive he was just came out with that mindset that he was, you know, basically not going to take shit and he was going to get better. Uh, and he was going to be that guy. He understands that he had a bad year last year and he was going to rebound off of that Henry. So I, I, I wasn't that surprised too. And here's the other thing, like you said about Andrew Billings, I think that could very well be the case for Mac Wilson, right? Where he starts at the season, maybe the first couple of games, while JOK is still young blood, still that rookie So trying to find his way. And then we see him taking over maybe four games or so into the season. I definitely think that's the case, but I really do think that the Browns like what Mac Wilson brings to the table against the chiefs.
0: You're right that he had a a great game against the chiefs in the playoffs last year. No doubt. I, I think it was easily the highest graded, you know, PFF game of his career. He was, he, he did make a lot of plays, but I also didn't think they asked very much of him to be honest it, they spent a lot of that game, you know, putting guys that I don't think belonged in the middle of the field, in the middle of the field. The one that comes to the mind to, the most to me is when Denzel Ward was matched up against Travis Kelsey one-on-one and the yeah. touchdown play where, where Denzel Ward slipped. And to me, that was, it, it's not just Mac Wilson. It was also the safeties at the time, but it was a, an acknowledgement of like, Hey, we are not putting the traditional players on kansas city's best players that, that would match up with them your typical linebackers and safeties because we don't have the guys and Denzel Ward, frankly didn't do that good of a job either but that's because he's a corner matchup against travis kelsey the, the, the skill set didn't line up there but i i don't know i i am uh, skeptical of, shall we say that that mac wilson's going to turn in a, a similar performance if he if he does Great. If the reports of this are true, that's fantastic. The Browns need more depth at that linebacker position. Even if JOK is great, you know, having four guys for three spots there that you could rely on would be fantastic. I'm just not sure I 100% believe in it. But, Jordan, the one other thing that stood out to me that you didn't touch on, and I think we saw this coming a little bit, is that Grant Delpit was not listed as a starter for this game. Despite the fact that that he has – you know, come back and will be you know on the you know will be on the active roster. He is not going to be a starter for this game, and I think that somewhat confirms what we had already suspected in that Ronnie Harrison and John Johnson may be the combo that the Browns are going with here. Even though traditionally you'd think those guys might oftentimes like to line up in the same spot, they just they don't really have a choice. It seems like given the Grant Duffett's health issues so far this camp.
1: Yeah, and then I think you're on in line with me where I personally would prefer um, John Johnson and Grant Delpit to line up uh, alongside one another and then kind of of run Ronnie Harrison out there as that hybrid. Um, I like kind of what Harrison can do in, in in some certain blitz packages, and I think he's sneaky good against the run. So I, I would like, like to see him in more of that hybrid position, Henry, but I think it just goes back to, look, the fact of the matter is Grant Delpit basically has barely practiced. Like, I can't even... I don't think I could count on one hand the uh, amount of times that he's practiced as an NFL player. So if that's the case, Henry, look, I, I guess I'm, I am i was sad to see him not in the starting lineup, but would you even want him out there knowing that that's the case, knowing that he has barely practiced in his NFL career and you're going to throw him out there first game of his career, first time seeing real action against the Kansas City Chiefs? I don't think I'd want him in there. I think hes I think he would be a liability to making mistakes and getting burned
0: on certain coverages. No, I, I wouldn't want him out there either. I don't think the Browns are making a mistake here by any means. I think I, frankly, I think I've been trying to tell Browns fans this for, for six months or so that everybody was just penciling Grant it in to come back and, and be, you know, the player he was hyped up to be coming off the Achilles. But Achilles injuries at this point might be worse than, than ACL injuries in both football and basketball in terms of the recovery. It's just so hard to regain that explosiveness, especially at a position like safety We are trying to cover a lot of ground and it leads to a lot of other injuries typically in your legs. I mean, that's the whole challenge is is it leads to strained calves and hamstrings because you're trying to overcompensate there. And I think we've seen that with with Grant Delpit so far, I've always had temperate expectations for him coming back off of this injury. And I think this is just somewhat in line with, with what I, you know, foresaw a couple months ago that, Hey, this, even if he is going to get back, which I don't think is a, a a certainty in itself, it's going to take some time, and he just hasn't had it so far. Yeah, he really hasn't. And and like you said,
1: the Achilles, it's it's just unpredictable, right? It's it's hard to sit here and be like, "Oh, well, he's going to bounce back," or "Oh, he's not going to bounce back." We just really don't know. And especially a guy that young, it's super hard to tell. Henry. Another interesting thing with that uh, safety room is it'll be interesting to see. Uh, like, do you think that the Browns will go to LeCount over Grant Delpit in that in that situation situational? um snaps on on Sunday against the Chiefs because I I think I was saying on the last pod like I I I know the Browns are super high on Richard count he had a really really good camp and the players speak really highly of him in that locker room I think he's a guy that's going to be slept on and, and and really be a solid contributor for this Browns defense this season and it might start on Sunday
0: I do think the LeCount will get on the field some. I think that the Browns in general are not going to go with three safeties as often as as we might have thought a, you know throughout the offseason just because of how their personnel lines up right now. And frankly, we were talking about JOK earlier. He, make, he might make more sense than either of them yeah. in terms of a guy to bring in in certain situations when you're looking for a little bit more speed on the field. A, and potential, you know, more coverage ability in the middle of the field, uh, perhaps. LeCount, he, he made some great plays throughout camp, throughout preseason. You saw uh, the videos for sure. He did it pretty much all against like third string level competition. So I'm not saying he can't do it against first string level competition, but the worry with him is high end speed at the highest levels. Is he really that kind of athlete? Boy, that's a hell of a first test against probably the most athletic yeah, wide receiver yeah. group in the in the uh, in the NFL in week one. So I do think he'll he'll get some snaps. I think it'll be, you know, for the most part, they're not gonna ask a ton of him, though. That that would be my suspicion, at least.
1: Yeah, you're probably right. And look, I, I'm just I'm just gonna put it out there right now. Look out for this guy, Richard LeCount. I think he's gonna, I think he's destined for some pretty big things here. I think he's gonna be a not necessarily a household name, but a name uh pretty common to Bronze fans pretty early on
0: in the season this year. The Browns, as you said, are high on him. He had bad yeah. testing numbers because of some injuries. You know, people didn't know really what to make of him because, you know, the athleticism was the question mark anyway. It was like, hey, he's kind of one of those guys that that seems to play faster than, than you know, we've been told in terms of an athlete, but then he was injured, so you couldn't really get a sense of his athleticism. So it, it could have been, it could be that, he, he, that he's a diamond in the rough. It's just a tough, as I said, tough first test, no matter what rookie you are. And obviously as a guy that wasn't, you know, a first or second round pick. That's uh, that's going to be quite the uh, the adjustment. But he did play SEC football, you know, at Georgia. So he he's seen some yeah. fast speed uh, out there in the past. And Jordan, just real quick before we get to the kind of the main topic of the show, which is, you know, the overall season outlook, kind of some pessimistic and optimistic. Uh, points for the Browns. What are your initial thoughts for this game? We're going to have a guest on to preview later this week, but I wanted to get your take. Just how are you feeling going into game one against the Chiefs?
1: More excited than nervous, definitely. Um, You know, it's it's, it's interesting because I think normally in past years, like even going into that playoff game last year, Henry, I mean, as a Browns fan, you sit there and like, yeah, obviously I'm hoping for the best, but I didn't really think that they had a chance to beat the Chiefs last year. And to see how close they got, I know that you can come back with a counterpoint of Mahomes getting hurt and all that, and, and I get it. But the fact of the matter is, the Browns are close. We're close. Probably should have won at that game. And all they've done is gotten better in every aspect that they needed to get better. And I, you know, I've listened to a lot of people say that you know, the Browns made all of these off-season moves for the for the sake of, of playing the Ravens. And I, I disagree. I think it was made probably a combo of the Ravens and the Chiefs. But I lean more uh, towards the Chiefs. I think that's who the Browns realized they have to get past. At the end of the day in the AFC, and they went out and they addressed this uh, lack of speed at the linebacking position in, in the secondary. And I think that's really going to pay off, Henry. I think this is going to be a high scoring game. Um, I'm looking in the 30s. This could be a first team to 40 type situation. And and the other thing about it is we're, we're going to have to not panic about the defense because I, I think that's going to happen where I think this is going to be a high shooting, uh, a high a shootout, a high scoring game. And I think there's going to be a lot of Bronze fans overreacting, but the defense isn't any better than it was last year. And look, we, we got to calm down on that, right? I think the defense this year could be very similar to how the offense was last year. And, I, and what, what I mean by that is it took the Browns offense probably four or five weeks to really find their footing last year and get acclimated in that Kevin Stefanski offense. And when they did, it took off. I think it's going to be similar for the defense this year. So many new pieces on that defensive front and in that secondary, of course, in the linebacking position as well. So I think it's going to take a while for those guys to gel and really figure out who they are on the football field. But I think once they do that, that defense is going to take off. Chill on the expectations of week one, Henry, because like I said, I think it's definitely going to be a shootout. The key to the game is going to be the battle in the trenches, as it always is, right? I mean, look about the Chiefs offensive line. Are they going to be healthy? Who's going to be playing? Can they protect Patrick Mahomes? Flip it over to the Browns. Miles Garrett, Jadavion Clowney. Are they going to be able to wreak a havoc that we expect them to? And if they do, they might just, that's probably going to be the Browns key to winning the game. So I think it's going to come down to that. I know it's the old cliche thing to say in, uh, you know, in, in football that the game is won in the trenches, but it, it always is Henry. And I think that it's, it's certainly no different in, in this situation. And then you flip it over to the Browns. I think the Browns have the better offensive line. Are they going to be able to keep Baker upright? Is he going to be comfortable? Look, going back to that game last year, right? I don't want to say Chubb was scared because I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. He's great, but he had a rough game. He had a couple of head scratching plays where he didn't make catches. I think all that stuff is going to be gone, Henry. I think the Browns are going to show up and I think that they might win this game. Um, and if they do, I think it's going to be a, by the score of a 38 to 33, something like that. Um, I, I, it's weird because I think if the Browns win. I think it's a bit going to be a close game, but I think if the chiefs win, Think possibly a double digit score, Henry, but I'm leaning more towards the Browns 38 33 right now.
0: I would uh, repeat something that you mentioned there, which is to not react too much one way or the other, because I think there are two competing forces in this game. Number one, the Browns are going to be breaking in eight new defensive starters. Was Mac Wilson a week one starter last year? Uh, Maybe, you know, maybe with him technically seven, because you've got uh, Mac and yeah. Taki Taki back, but a lot, and especially in, in the secondary where Denzel Ward, you know, returning, it's going to be a lot of new guys, uh, that they have to work in in general. On the flip side, the Chiefs have to break in a new offensive line, and, and of course, everybody knows that offensive line is something where chemistry is also a massive factor. They've got a lot of talent on that offensive line that they upgraded with this season, but they've got three rookies. And then some new players on the left side of that offensive line. So I'm not sure how well those guys are going to gel either. I could really see this game going any, you know, which way I wouldn't be absolutely floored if the Browns won. Ultimately, as you know, I bet on the Chiefs months ago because Patrick Mahomes is 10 and 0 in September. Andy Reid, I think, is 18 and 2 in first games of the season. And they're at home. So I think all you, know, you combine those three things. I'm not sure Kansas City is going to finish with the number one record in the AFC this year. So if these teams play again in the playoffs, it's going to be four months from now. Who knows what the injury situation will be? Who knows how the Chiefs offensive line will have come together versus the Browns defense? So I really don't think one is going to have a huge impact on the other. And I feel like either way, Browns fans are going to overreact. So my ultimate caution would be not to overreact. And then as far as the actual game, as I said, we're going to do a full preview with the guests later on, but I'm still leaning Chiefs just because Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes in September are a pretty lethal combination. Is the spread 6.5? Six 6.5. I bet, I bet it when it was yeah. 4.5, and, and now it's 6.5. It opened at 4. I got it at 4.5, and, and now it's at 6.5. Okay. Yeah, You got lucky. Smart moves to get it there. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. I, I don't know. Uh, 6.5 is, is interesting. Do you think that's higher? Do you think that's lower? Do you think that's just right?
0: I think it's about right. I I don't think the Browns, you know, I I think the Browns are going to be able to score. I actually have a a lot of faith in this offense to to score against Kansas city. As you mentioned, I frankly didn't think they played as well as they could have last year and they still moved the ball up and down against Kansas city. Just fine. Yeah. Of course there's the Rashard Higgins play, which will be seared in the Browns fans memories forever. And a bunch of other drops on top of that, that I thought the Browns could have uh, done some more damage with. And ultimately, they still scored uh, plenty of points in that game. The issue was the defense. And I don't know if that's all going to be solved in week one or not. We'll see. There's a long way to go, I, I think, in terms of, of gelling for that team, especially because, again, in favor of this, but we didn't play a lot of the starters in preseason games either. So not a lot of on-field, you know, in-game reps with one another uh, you know, to, to establish that chemistry.
1: Henry, do you know the over-under on this game off the top of your
0: head? I don't. Though we can look it up really quickly. Yeah, because I'm interested to see that.
1: Because do you think do you see this being a shootout? Like I see it being a shootout.
0: Yeah, I would say yes. I mean, typically the over unders for for the first game of the season are are low, just because of the the offenses being rusty are usually uh, behind the defenses at times. But uh, 50, 54 and a half is what if- I see it at. Yeah. So nothing crazy, but I would guess that's one of the higher ones of the weekend. I'm not seeing a single line actually above 54 and a half. So yeah. The the highest one I saw was 52. Yeah. That is the highest over under of the weekend. So the Vegas agrees reasonable though. Like I, I, like,
1: yeah, I think this is without question, uh, uh, both. Like I would hammer that over right now, Henry. Like, I just think that this is going to be a shootout. Like I said, I, Brown's defense, there's still a lot of questions there. The Chiefs' defense, we'll we'll see what they have as well. But yeah, man, I'm 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 hammering that 54 and a half. I, I'm I might do it the second we sign off this podcast, honestly.
0: <laughs> Let's transition to uh, the the meat of the podcast here, Jordan, <laughs> so we can wrap this up in time for you to place that overbet yeah. on, on Browns Chiefs. So you know, ahead of the season, we just wanted to you know kind of take a, a larger look at the Browns in terms of, hey, how does this season go worse than expected? And how does this season go better than expected? So Jordan and I both came up with two reasons independently of one another in terms of how the season goes wrong and then how this season goes better than, than, than Browns fans thought. So Jordan, I'm a bad news first kind of guy. So let's start with your number one reason that this season goes worse than expected for the Browns. So here's number one. And
1: this is funny when I get to my good things, because you're going to laugh at at just kind of like the juxtaposition there. But (laughs) um, the first thing I look at Henry, I don't uh, remember the number off the top of my head, but the uh, the Browns, there's a certain wide, uh, uh, wide receiver quarterback duo that the Cleveland Browns have that is amongst the, lowest percentage or completion percentage of any quarterback to wide receiver duo in the NFL minimum of like 50 snaps or something like that in the last three years. And I, I think, you know, where I'm going with this, Henry, Uh, it's, it's Odell Beckham jr. And the, what he can do to this offense that, because look, we, the fact of the matter is we saw this offense take off last year without him, right. Uh, Other than the Cowboys game, the Browns were scoring 40 points, but seemed like regularly, and they did it in a handful of games. And and I think Odell was really only there for the Cowboys game. So this offense had success without him, Henry. Um, you know, the second he went down in that Bengals game, Baker took off. Whether that was a coincidence or he just got hot, I don't know. The fact of the matter is it happened. And he went out throughout the rest of the season spreading the wealth around, hitting, you know, he would regularly would average like five or six different receivers catching a pass a game. He kind of just, he wasn't focused on Odell. He was focused on spreading the ball around. I think that's when he really found his game as well, that being Baker Mayfield. So I think that if the Browns get into a conundrum on offense where they are trying to force the ball to Odell too much, there's definitely has the uh, has the chance of slowing down this offense and what they're capable of doing by becoming obsessed with trying to get Odell the ball. Because like I said, we saw success without him. So he doesn't have the excuse of coming in and saying that we need him to succeed because we had it without him. Yeah, he can be a nice... Addition to the success, Henry, but we still have to see what that's like. That duo of Baker and Odell, if they get into the same thing that we saw in 2019, that is certainly something that can make this Brown season not as good as we expected, in my opinion.
0: I I hear you on that, and I am slightly concerned about the Odell Baker connection. I, I think this is Odell Beckham's last season in Cleveland, one way or the other. But man, I have a lot of faith in Kevin Stefanski. I don't know this offense. Though, uh, you can you can only put so much stock into preseason, of course. But when they came out with Baker's two drives and just picked, it looked like they picked up exactly where they left off last season. I was like, yes, like they're going empty with three tight ends out in receiver positions, and I'm like, yes, yeah. Kevin Stefanski, like this is exactly what I want to see. Just you know, creativity on that side of the ball. I'm. I don't think the Baker Odell connection is ever going to be perfect, just because I don't think their styles work perfectly well with one another. I think that's part of the challenge, but I do have enough faith in Stefanski to hopefully figure it out. You know, there is the idea that Baker forces the ball to Odell Beckham. I'm I'm hoping at this point that that Odell can kind of see that the bigger picture as far as how this offense works and is is a little bit more of a seamless fit in in year two, but. It's, it's a valid concern, I would say, for sure. My first concern that I'm going to put out there is on the defensive side of the football. And it's actually with what I would say is, was the Browns' strength last season. I'm most worried about the Browns' defensive line. If I had to pick a unit, and you're going to say, Henry, that's crazy. They have Miles Garrett on, on their defensive line, who might be the best defensive player in football. And you're not wrong, but here's why. Number one, Miles Garrett got double teamed an incredible amount last year. He he faced the third highest double team rate in the entire league. And I'd like to think that's going to be different this season. But there is not a lot of depth outside of Miles Garrett if Jadavion Clowney gets hurt. And I still have questions about Jadavion Clowney in terms of his performance. I still have questions about Tack McKinley. And they don't even have a fourth defensive end right now. Not to mention the fact that all of those guys are injury prone too. Now, if Garrett goes down too, that's even worse because not only uh, if Miles Garrett goes down, that's obviously a huge problem for the Browns. And stating the obvious there. He's probably their best player uh, on the entire roster, but they don't have great replacements either. Like to me, if Tack McKinley is forced into a starting position at defensive end, like this Browns team is in trouble immediately. So that's the defensive end spots. And like we've already talked about this preseason, I'm not super confident in the defensive tackles either. I kind of think Malik McDowell should be starting and he's a rookie undrafted player, which so overall, I, I'm worried that the, the Browns defensive line is actually an injury to away from being the weakness of this defense, which I would have not said at all two months ago, three months ago, probably even three weeks ago, but that's starting to become my biggest concern in terms of the personnel on this roster. There's just not a lot of depth. Like the the starting guys are great. Of course, Garrett might be the best defensive player in football. But to me, it quickly turns into a scenario where there's not a lot of help for him. So this is interesting because this
1: kind of is similar to what my second thing was going to be, Henry, uh, but, but, but a little bit different. So my second thing is going to be that the, the Browns just can't stop the run for whatever reason. Um, I think that there is, that kind of is highlighted by your questions with the defensive tackles. Right. Um, and, and I share that concern with you because like, like you, I kind of think that Malik McDowell should be starting alongside Malik, uh, Malik Jackson and look, Malik Jackson, sure. He's, he's a veteran. He's been there, but look, he hasn't been uber productive in, in, in recent seasons. Right. Um, I just think that there's still a lot of questions. I I look, I think that they're going to be fine from a pass rush standpoint, but when it comes to stopping the run. I think that for whatever reason, it seems like in the last like 15 years, the Browns just haven't been able to stop the run. Um, last year, or the year before, they, they've had rough moments. So I think that, and we saw in preseason, there was just kind of that hole in the middle of the defense. So I think that stopping, not being able to stop the run, is another thing that can really kind of torpedo this Browns season. Henry, uh, along with Odell, uh, you got to be able to stop the run. You got to be able to set the tone on defense. And if they can do it, I think they're going to be really successful. If they can't do it. I think it can lose them a couple games.
0: I do think a lot of that is going to fall on the new additions in the linebacking core. I think Anthony Walker is a guy that has been hit or miss at times against the run, but I think could be somebody that's a steadying presence in in the run game for the Browns. Uh, He's had some tackling issues, but other than that, he's always been a smart uh, uh, guy. I don't know how to say it. He diagnoses the run very well. I don't know if there's a noun there, but uh, so he, he could be a steadying presence for this team, but you, the defensive tackle spots is it's tough. It's a tough rotation right now. If Billings is going to look the way he did in preseason, there's no doubt about that overall. I think stopping the run hopefully isn't as important to this team, but you say that and they have the the Ravens in their own division who's the team is probably right. most important against the Titans you would think is an AFC team is also obviously very important against the Chiefs and the Bills eh, if they're running the ball I feel pretty good about it just because that means those guys aren't dropping back to pass so it really all depends on the matchup but you I can already see you know a playoff scenario where Derrick Henry in the fourth quarter is running against the Browns and you're tearing you know your hair out as a fan so so that That is a very realistic possibility, I would say, with this roster right now, given, like we said, some of the concerns.
1: Yeah, and again, these aren't things that we think are going to happen. These are things that just could, if they went wrong, you know, that the Browns, all of a sudden, they're not winning 12 games this year. All of a sudden, they're not winning 13 games this year. They're closer to around 500, fighting for their way into the playoffs, rather than having that secure spot. That's really all we're saying with this.
0: Absolutely. And – my second one is also one of those things that's just a point of cautions for, for Browns fans. And it's the, the second thing that I think you know, could lead to a more disappointing uh, result than Browns fans expect this season is luck. The Browns were a lucky team last year. Were they, were see, in- I, were they though?
1: I'd like, look, I, 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 cause I've, I've listened to that Henry and I've heard that from a lot of people and, and look at the end of the day, it's that I, the Browns were one of only a couple of teams that last year that I don't even remember if there was, I think, you know, the Broncos obviously had to play without a quarterback one week, but they, they played a game without an entire receiving court. I mean, they might as well brought me and you in off the streets to play in that, in that jets game, Henry. And then you think about what happened to them in the playoffs. All of a sudden you, you win, you know, you clinch your first playoff berth in so long. And then the next day you find out that your coach has COVID. He can't coach in that game, all that stuff. Like
0: that's not luck. That's unlucky. Okay, throw the playoff game out there because that's really, you're gonna
1: go to the close. You're gonna go to the close game thing,
0: right? There were three different categories where the Browns were lucky last season. Number one is the close games, as you said, seven and two in close games. That is just something that historically evens out over time, and the Browns are seven and two. That is a massive, massive plus that typically regresses over time, regardless of your team. <laughs> Number two, they were a negative eleven point differential. Differential last year as a playoff team—that is very, very uncommon and historically also very unrepeatable—to be a negative point differential team and make the playoffs again. Now, if the Browns have a positive point differential, that's a sec, you know a separate story. The third thing is they had the healthiest offensive line in the entire league last year, pretty easily—only seven combined missed games from their offensive line—easily the best mark. In the entire league. And that's obviously a strength of this Browns team as well. So they were not only great, but they were healthy. So my point would be this, that the Browns, I think will be a much better team this year, but they could win the exact same number of games and they probably are a three to four wins better team and probably have a better chance to win the AFC and go to the Super Bowl. But that may not necessarily be reflected in the record, which is why I've been consistently saying, hey, I kind of see them in like the 11-ish wins range, maybe 12 wins. But the people that are really going, you know, 13, 14 wins, I'm like, wait a second. I know you guys are looking at the Browns record from last year, but if you look at kind of the underlying indicators, they weren't quite as strong last season, and I think they will be this season. So that that's where I get the luck. Uh, aspect from I think I think this team was a little bit lucky last year so I think they'll be better and that will kind of even things out okay I
1: get what you're saying with the close game things but I just think that's such an analytical thing where it's like and I'm not anti-analytics by any stretch of the imagination but like look some of those things just don't tell the story like did you like that Jaguars bronze game that was a one score game last year did you think for a second that the bronze were going to lose that game because I didn't think for a second that the bronze were going to lose that game like I just some of those things like it's hard to win football games in the NFL like whether you do it by two points whether you do it by 10 points it doesn't matter to me just win the damn game
0: but that's the thing, Jordan, Is like every time you're in a one score game, like you're opening yourself up to the possibility that something weird happens. Right. Like for every Jaguars type game, there's also a game where like you pull, you know, a comeback from behind win or you make a game winning field goal. Those kind of games also happen, which is why historically the NFL margins are so close and they just don't hold up. Like winning one score games doesn't hold up over time, like the best indicator of a great team is that they win by multiple scores because that's when you're really dominating the game in such a way that that you don't open yourself up for the lucky plays, the turnovers, all that kind of stuff that can just not go your way.
1: The other thing too, with the injury thing, I, I get what you're saying with the offensive line, but at the end of the day, I think Wyatt Teller missed four of those games and he was probably without question, I think you could say, the Browns' best offensive lineman last year. He really was the heartbeat of that run game. And Then you flip it over, the Browns weren't able to run the ball for four games because Nick Chubb was hurt. And on top of that, I think Wyatt Teller was out at the same time. So like, I, it's just, it is tough to predict those things. It's tough to, it's tough to say, but at the end of the day, I just, I think when it came down to crucial situations, I just feel like the Browns, like they got unlucky at times as, as much as I got lucky, I think that got unlucky too. Like think about first play against Kansas city, Jedrick Wills goes down. You lose your left tackle for the end you know, the divisional game. Like those things too, like, As much as there was luck, I think there's unluck as well. And I think this at the end of the day, the Browns have a much better roster than they do last year. And above all of those close uh, stats that you laid out and all that, I think that's going to be the deciding factor in their success this year rather than, you know, history can't repeat itself the way it did last year.
0: Yeah, again, I'm throwing out the playoff games. Like the Browns got unlucky (laughs) in the Chiefs playoff games. But that's what it matters. no, but it, but it, but if the Browns win one less regular season games, like like yeah. people are going to say that's a worse regular season when it may not actually be that, that would be my point. It's like the Browns plenty of times. I, I think, you know, had had unlucky things go against them. I'm not saying it was like perfect, but I'm saying there are a lot of key, you know, indicators that would suggest that this team was a little bit on, on the luckier side last year. And, and I think that's okay to admit.
1: Yeah, it's, it's fine. We, we uh, you know, they they were lucky in and whatever uh, eleven wins playoffs and we'll we'll see what happens this year man
0: I, I I I like our chances I like
1: our chances man we're gonna get some luck this year too don't worry <laughs> all right all right well
0: let's 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 turn optimistic
1: then well quick. wait hold on real quick though don't don't also like isn't here's the other thing that plays in that forgive me if I'm wrong but don't the Browns have the fourth easiest schedule in the NFL which. Was far well, from the Jordan, case, Jordan
0: You're stealing my thunder here in terms of <laughs> our next our next topic, which is the optimistic one. So I'm going to go first. You're not going to go first because <laughs> you just took my first one, which is yes, the Browns have the third easiest schedule this year uh, in terms of win totals. But on top of that, I would say that, and and if you look at other similar schedule metrics, you know, Football Outsider says their own they're they're fourth or fifth in that one. I would say not only that, I am not a believer in the Browns division. And it seems like it's only getting worse because number one, yeah. you you hear the reports out of Cincinnati, brutal. Jamar Chase, it sounds like, is really struggling. Joe Burrow's talking about he doesn't have faith in his knee. I already didn't believe in their coach. That situation is looking like it's not great. We've talked ad nauseum about the def- or, or excuse me, the off season moves that the Steelers make that make. Absolutely. No sense. They don't have an offensive line. I am not a believer in the Steelers. Now it sounds like TJ Watt and them are fighting over contract (laughs) uh, negotiations and he might not even be available. Week one, the Ravens might be last year's 49ers where they're just snake bitten by injuries, already two running backs out for the year. Lots of problems among the receiving core in terms of injuries. They've had their COVID concerns too. So You look at it and the Browns have a pretty easy schedule overall. And then the teams that have been the thorn in their side for so long, the reason it's so hard for them year in and year out is the Ravens and the Steelers are always good. A lot of years, the Bengals were good too. And now it seems like for the first time, all three might be sliding back a bit from their expectations. So that part, it makes me optimistic is that I do think, The Browns are going to face a a pretty reasonable schedule here where they're going to be able to go through this regular season, pick up some wins, and catch some teams that are not in their best form. Yeah. And I definitely think that there's a scenario. I'm not saying it's likely, but I certainly.
1: there's definitely a world where like the Browns kind of just run away with AFC North, right? Like I definitely think that's a possibility. Like I said, I don't think it's likelihood, but you just mentioned it. Like uh, the Steelers offensive line that I'm just not sold on whatsoever. It wasn't good last year and it's regressed since then bringing back big Ben at that old age. What does he have left? I don't know. They're still, they'll still have a solid defense back there, but then there's the TJ Watt question. We'll see what happens there. Cincinnati you touched on as well, Henry. And obviously in Baltimore, man, I mean, this is a team that, predicates everything they do on offense off of the run game and to be like I don't trust Gus Edwards in a playoff game you need to go to Gus Edwards are you going to trust him I don't trust that they signed Le'Veon Bell today I don't trust him whatsoever I think he's I don't want to say washed up but he's certainly his best days are certainly behind him and it's going to take him some time to get up to speed in that offense as it is so I I don't know man and then you look at it like Lamar yeah he's great but can he do it all himself I guess we're really going to find out this year so there's definitely a world where the Browns run away with that AFC North and and, and the, that if that's the case it's going to be because the Steelers and Ravens both were worse than we thought they were going to be
0: yeah I I would predict it I still think the Ravens are a stable organization I still believe in yeah. Lamar's ability to kind of uphold that running game for the most still part good and get defense. Them. yeah, yeah and, and they do have a good defense but again Matthew chudana is gone all of a yeah. sudden, you know, they're counting on uh, some younger guys to replace him. Uh, I wouldn't bet against the Ravens by any means. I do think they're a stable organization. But as you said, there is that possibility that maybe, okay. hey, there, maybe it's just not their year. And it does start, it is starting to feel like that. And as I said, the other two teams, I am not a believer. And I know some people are, are, are talking up the Steelers ahead of the season and, and also touting their organizational stability. But nothing about that actual roster screams to me that that they're going to be competing in the same way that they have these last couple of years. Jordan, what's your first first reason to be optimistic uh, about the Browns this season? So it's funny because this is the exact counterpoint to my
1: first uh, way that the season could torpedo and that's the Odell Beckham Jr. Right. (laughs) So like I said, like there's a chance it's funny because there's a chance that it just goes horribly wrong and that loses the Browns a couple of games but Henry, we haven't seen what it's like when it totally clicks. So if that happens this year, where it totally clicks Odell and Baker, they get on the same page, they get acclimated in the Kevin Stefanski system. It's just full systems go back to New York giants, you know, three or four years ago, Odell, if that's the case, Henry, who knows what the ceiling is for this Browns offense. Like we just went through the depth chart and there were, No question, nothing that stood out on the page to us from that offense, because we know what we're going to get from that offense. We know it's a great offensive line. We know they have great weapons around Baker. What we don't know is what it can look like when Odell Beckham Jr. puts it together. If he's able to do that this year, that's going to take this offense to a whole nother level, Where they could score 40 every game, Henry, and that could propel this team to, you know, 12,
0: 13 wins. If that possibility is there, too. That's a great point. I didn't realize that's where you were going with it, but I like yeah. it. I like it. And, again, I don't think the Odell-Baker uh, pairing is seamless. I, I never have thought that. I, it does seem like sometimes what Baker likes is more those, those tight end plays, the slot receiver, Jarvis Lansbury kind of routes. But like you said, what does everybody say we're missing against the Chiefs? A guy that could take the top off the defense, that over-the-top threat that they had to respect. And when Anthony Schwartz was drafted, people were like, oh, we found that guy. I'm like, no, Odell Beckham is that guy. Odell Beckham is supposed to be that guy. Like, that's why I was hammering that we didn't need that necessarily as an offensive need. I was like, we have that guy. Like, he's supposed to be that. Now, whether he is that the season coming off the ACL, establishing that connection with Baker, who knows? But if he is, you're talking about a guy who's still, even if he's a top 15 receiver in the league, Think about what that does to this offense. They've got the tight ends. They've got the best offensive line. They've got Nick Chubb. They've got Kareem Hunt. And then you throw in the 15th best receiver in the league to that group that was already firing on all cylinders last year. The ceiling is, is just so high.
1: Yeah, he's a guy that in 2019 had a bad year, was hurt that most of that year still put up a thousand yards as there was just zero chemistry between him and Baker whatsoever. So if he can, if that chemistry clicks and all of a sudden that turns into 1400, 1500, eight to 10 touchdowns, Henry, this offense is going to take off. Well, man. I, I want to see that. And I, I, and there's part of me that wants to say like, Hey, it's still going to happen. I, I, I guess I'd lean more towards the pessimistic side of it happening at this point, Henry, but I just, I just want to see it so bad. I'm like trying to talk it into
0: existence. As much as I love Donovan people's chance. As much as I love Rashad Higgins, even if Odell Beckham is more that guy than he was two years ago, and well, you know maybe slight improvement, their 17 games, maybe he catches you know 1,200 yards of passes. Like, do we really think Rashad Higgins or Donovan Peoples Jones is going to you know have 1,200 receiving yards this year? Probably not. They're not those kind of guys. And so even if Odell isn't, you know, magically a top 10 receiver again, like the difference between him and what he's replacing could still be pretty impactful. So even if it's not perfect, I, I do think that is a way that this Browns offense could improve year over year. Yeah. Without question.
1: And all uh, right, do I, do I get to go with my second one or? Yeah. Or... Yeah. Go with your second all one. Right. Yeah. We totally messed all up right.
0: the order. It's fine. I took, I took control <laughs> as the host and then, and then totally messed it up, but go ahead. What's all your right. number two?
1: Grabbing the steering wheel back, Henry and I, I'm gonna go with my second one here. Is going to be Jadavion Clowney, which is which is funny because I think we both kind of talked about the defensive line, and I was more focused on what they're gonna do in the run game. But you mentioned just the injury abilities with Clowney and all that. But look, here's the here's what I say. It's kind of the same thing with Odell, right? We just we haven't seen the kind of talent that Jadavion Clowney has alongside Miles Garrett. Sure, Clowney hasn't been you know, as productive as you'd like him to be in the NFL, but he's on record saying, and, you know, people within our organization have said that like, this is the without question, the healthiest Jadavion Clowney has been in his NFL career. And it was full throttle at first in training camp. Then they peeled him back a little bit. That was full throttle. Like they know what they were doing with Jadavion Clowney. And I think they are expecting big things from him, Henry. If he's able to come out and have that crazy year, because you talked about earlier with Miles Garrett and double team, triple team that times last year, like Jadavion Clowney is able to come in and have an impact to the point where you can't think about doubling and tripling miles on every play. It frees him up to have a great year and just kind of the marriage of what they would able to be able to do together on that defensive line. If things click for Clowney and he's able to stay healthy for majority of the season, Henry, because again, we just haven't seen it with miles. So if we're able to get it this year, again, that's going to make that bronze defense. And I know that a lot of people were drafting them in fantasy drafts and all that, hoping that this Browns defense can, you know, be a defense to get a lot of sacks, create a lot of turnovers. I think that's going to start and end with Jadavion Clowney's production
0: for the Browns. He is a a linchpin, right? Because I mentioned it uh, earlier, you know, Miles Garrett received the third highest double team rate in the entire league last season. Jadavion Clowney is going to see one-on-one matchups all day long. If he can convert successfully, if he can get to the the quarterback, this defense is, is a totally different animal. And here's the thing, too, from people that I've talked in with the
1: Browns organization, like he dominated. And I mean dominated to the point where it was almost, I don't want to say embarrassing, but almost emasculating at the same time. Like he gave it to Jack Conklin in that first week of practice. He won the matchup every single time, Henry. And that's not a scrub. Jack Conklin was the number one ranked right tackle at Pro Football Focus last season. So hes it's it's there for Clowney. Is he going to be able to put it on the field to the point where it stays healthy for a majority of the season? That's what it's going to come down to. And if he's able to do that, I think he's going to have a huge year and we're going to see one of the better Browns defenses we've seen probably in our lifetime.
0: If you think that keys the defense, you know, the defensive line, Uh, I mentioned it, you know, in terms of my pessimistic things, but you know, to flip it in your favor here on the optimistic side, the other units are going to be better. They, they, because the floor was so much lower, right? Like the the secondary just has to be better than it was last season because it almost can't be worse unless there's just catastrophic injuries across the board. The linebacking core almost can't be worse, right? Because they have the same exact players plus other options, right? The defensive line is the only unit that could be worse because they performed pretty well last year and, and got some good performances. They've got some new guys. Now, if they maintain the level that they had last year, this defense is probably a top 10 unit if they are better than they were last season, this might be a top five or even top three unit yeah. in the NFL with, with guys like Miles Garrett, you know, that are really game changers on it. So I do think that is, is the pivot point as well.
1: Yeah. And look, I, I've I saw the Browns, like, look, they, you know, how it was ranking season for half of the off season of like Yahoo came out with their rankings. ESPN came out with a rankings, CBS pro football focus, so on and so forth. And the Browns defense was in the top five, top three of all those rankings, Henry. So the talent's certainly there. Are they going to be able to put it together? We'll see. But Jadavian Clowney is certainly going to be the driving force in that.
0: I think so. I think so, too. I think he's a good player to single out in, in particular. I was also going to say something about the defense and talk about Joe Woods' scheme. How analytics-wise, he made you know some great is, is adjustments in terms of like the personnel packages that the Browns played, but then you know they obviously didn't have the actual players to execute. But I'm going to throw that all that out the window, Jordan, because there's another real answer here that we got to touch on before the end of the podcast, and it's a simple one. It's an oversimplification, but it's also just the thing that makes the Browns win 13 or 14 games, and that's. Is Baker Mayfield the guy from the last six games of the regular season in the playoffs last year? Yeah. If he's that guy, if he hits his ceiling as whatever it is, the eighth best quarterback, maybe even pushing the fifth, sixth best quarterback in the league, that's how the Browns get to 13 or 14 wins. That's how they really are the Super Bowl-level team that I think their roster is already at, is if Baker matches that in terms of his play. You look at the analytics last year on him, they're fantastic. You look at the analytics in the second half of the season, they're downright awesome. I think he's sixth in EPA uh, among quarterbacks. He's third in a, a above, uh, completion above expected uh, percentage. So all the numbers that, that you would look at to indicate, hey, a, a quarterback is really stepping up here. Baker, checked those boxes. That's why he was graded second by PFF over the last eight games, only trailing Patrick Mahomes. I thought – it didn't get talked about enough. Just how good he was in that Chiefs game because I thought everybody else, for the most part, let him down. I thought he made yeah. throw after throw in that game. If he is that guy, especially in the second year of Stefansky system, if he is really that guy, that's how the Browns get to thirteen or fourteen wins in my opinion. Yeah, it's an interesting. And I'm glad you
1: brought it up because I, I had said, in, you know, a couple of minutes ago on this podcast, like I, I didn't want to say the word "scared" with Nick Chubb, but I mean, we, we all have. We're, we've all waking up in cold sweats at three o'clock in the morning thinking about uh you know some of those drop screen passes that Nick Chubb had in that game. Like uh it was just un- some uncharacteristic things happened for Browns players uh, during that game. Where I just think that I you know the moment I don't maybe the moment was too big. But look that excuse isn't gonna be there this year, Henry. One guy that the moment wasn't too big for, and it's exactly what you said, Baker Mayfield. He showed out. He balled out. He was ready to be there, and he answered the call. Yeah, he had the one. I'll excuse that. He was lights out the rest of the game, making bullet throws. He was pinpoint accuracy and yeah, I mean, look, you, you said it the last couple of weeks of the season, it was Patrick Mahomes, it was Baker and it was Aaron Rodgers when you're talking about quarterback rating in the NFL. So yeah, it's a good point. I think that the Browns could probably get to like eight or nine, maybe even 10 wins just riding the run game, Henry. I mean, that's how good it is with this offensive line. If all of those units are able to stay healthy, but where you really take that next level is what you said, right? Like if you're a defense and you can't come into this game saying, all right, I'm playing the Browns. We're going to sell out to stop the run. If Baker's able to beat us, fine if it gets to a point where the defenses come in, like, Hey, we can't sell it to stop the run because this kid is slinging it across the field. And I don't know. we we don't know what we're going to do. Like that's where we, the Browns take the next level and get to that 13, 12, 13, 14 type win season that you were talking about. Maybe even a first round buy.
0: maybe even in that level. And something I think that's always difficult when in football in particular, when you have a long off season, right, it's really hard to remember how you felt at the end of the last season. And we we spent all this time talking about Baker Mayfield and all the the roster adjustments, all that. But I went back and I looked at my game takeaways from that chiefs Browns game. And there were two major takeaways. Number one is the Browns back seven was nowhere near hanging with the chiefs when Patrick Mahomes was healthy. And you, and obviously, you know, we've, we've talked about the the defensive adjustments and, and roster additions. And my second takeaway was, Nobody will remember just how good Baker Mayfield was in this game because everybody else around him let him down. And then ultimately he didn't get a chance on the final drive and the team lost. But if you go back and watch the throws in that game, he was on fire. And I went into that game thinking, I don't think the Browns are going to win, but man, I love having a quarterback with Baker Mayfield's confidence and how he's been playing these last couple of weeks going into it. And I left that game, not feeling any differently, even though the team lost. And I'm g- hanging on to that feeling, and that's my hope as a fan of this team that wants them to win the Super Bowl, is that he can be that guy. And if he's that guy, I think the Browns can win the Super Bowl. Do you think he will be that guy this year? I'm a little bit jaded <laughs> and pessimistic Pregnant as a paws. Browns fan. Uh, I I don't think – He will be, I think he'll be somewhere in the middle. I think he won't be quite as good as he probably was in that Chiefs game. And I think he will be better than he was the first half of last season. So I do, that's why I'd still say the Browns are, you know, the third favorite in the AFC behind the Bills and the Chiefs. But If I'm going to put them first, it's going to be because Baker Mayfield, you know, rises to that level where he can at least compete with like the Josh Allens of the world. And then the roster, you know, you look at the Bills and Browns roster, pretty similar. You might give a slight edge to them over Kansas City. And that's how they make up the difference of Mahomes versus our quarterback or the Bills quarterback.
1: Yeah, I got to say, I really think he's going to put it all together this year. Henry, look, we just haven't seen a year where he's he's has it's what three seasons, four coaches. Right. I mean, so. This is the first time where he's going into an off season knowing the offense, just getting more comfortable in the offense, evolving in that offense rather than having to come in and learn a new offense and all of that. I just think that look, the marriage of Kemp Spansky and Baker, I think it's perfect. And I think we're really going to see it shine this year. I look for a better year than last year, Henry. And I, I just think there are going to be times like I, I I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. I know it would be bold without question to say this, but I wouldn't be surprised if at least for a portion of this season, There's the conversation, you know, we turn on first take or get up in the morning, whatever it is, and you're seeing the conversation in there, like, is Baker Mayfield an MVP candidate? I think for at least a couple of weeks that we're going to see that conversation taking place at some point this year. I don't mean that I think he's going to be, or that he even should be, but I think that it's at least going to be a conversation at some point.
0: Maybe it will. I think part of the excitement about Baker and this Browns team is after three years, you typically know what you've got in a quarterback Mm -hmm. typically have a, you know, there's a pretty good understanding, but because of of the way his career has gone so far, and I know we've talked about this before, there is definitely a big unknown still. There's still that idea of like, Hey, I, I'm not sure. You asked me the question and there was a pregnant pause there in part because I'm not sure. And that's, that's going to be exciting in this case because the floor seems pretty high, like you said. So it feels like there's just, you know, upside at the end of the day. Yeah. And isn't there like, isn't
1: at the end of the day, Baker, like one of three quarterbacks in NFL history to have 20 plus passing touchdowns and like a certain amount of yardage in his first three seasons. The other ones being like Peyton Manning and Dan Marino or something like that. Like, come on. (laughs) Sure. I, I, I know those are hard to read into and all that, but I was going to say, we'll
0: we'll leave the conversation about passing stats (laughs) between errors for another podcast, Jordan. So we can cut it there. Uh, Like i mentioned At the top, we are going to have a full Chiefs preview, got an SB Nation writer from the Chiefs, Ron Cop Jr. coming on the podcast to break all that down and more, and there'll be plenty more. Uh, coming to you on this feed after the game, too. Uh, Jordan, I know you're going to be there yeah. in person, and then we'll rehash it all on No, no, not on Sunday. Well. No, no,
1: I'm not going to Kansas City, man. Oh, <laughs> you're not
0: going to the Kansas City game? Oh, <laughs>
1: no, uh, no, I wish I was. No, I'm, I'll be in uh, attendance for the home opener, that, that being the Texans game, the following week. Uh, Return of the Mooney Lot, return of the Dog Con. I'm super excited. Yeah, but the next time we talk, Henry, it will be following the Browns, Kansas City Chiefs. It'll be a little late-night Sunday action. And hopefully it's coming after win, man. I think it's possible that we might be sitting here recapping, like, what is the ceiling for the Browns after possibly beating the Kansas City Chiefs? Can't wait to possibly do that podcast.
0: After preaching not to overreact uh, no, I based know, on I know. one <laughs> game. No, I was just going to say, we will most certainly be overreacting yeah. for one game. So look <laughs> forward to that, Browns fans. But until then, football is here. Just two words for you. Go Brown.